0: The Beavers 5, Arkansas nothing. And once again, Pat Casey and the Oregon State Beavers are the national champions.
1: Welcome to the 18th and final episode of Dynasty in the Woods. I'm Josh Warden. With Oregon State winning the 2018 NCAA Men's College World Series, we'll spend this final episode hearing the players reflect on the championship and some other storylines we haven't fully explored yet. In fact, let's start with a specific subset of Beaver players, the ones who won a national championship for their home state, including Central Point native Dylan Pierce and Salem product Andy Armstrong. It means the world because you know, I grew up watching Oregon State went back to back national championships. And it was just like, you're just etching your name in
2: the record books and, and making history at Oregon State. It's hard to put into words.
3: It was so surreal. Like just getting to sit back and think that this is what I worked for. And not only just that I worked for it to get to the College World Series, just cause that's what every kid wants. Not only did I get to go there, but it was with the team of my dreams. It was so surreal. And I was so honored that God blessed me to put me in that position. And be with that team, it was perfect in every way that I could have even thought of. I never got to win it as a player. Doing that as a coach was pretty
1: cool. Another Salem native, Andy Jenkins, had tasted the College World Series experience in 2005, but was not on the 06 and 07 title teams. Being a coach in 2018 meant he finally got to be a national champion.
4: I'm glad I got that opportunity to watch those guys dogpile and celebrate with coaches that work hard. And so, Northwest pride and all that stuff, it's amazing.
1: If there's one word that describes the 2018 Oregon State baseball season, redemptive just might be the choice. After all, Oregon State lost in 2017 to LSU. In 2018, the Beavers beat the Tigers en route to the national title. Mike, it started about right here almost a year ago
5: when Oregon State came in 56-6, and but the 56-4 before their last two games, they lost those two games to LSU, and
1: they meant it when they said anything short of a national championship would be considered an unsatisfactory result. Many of those 2017 players were on the 2018 team and finished what they set out to do, but some players from 17 were no longer with the team. I watched every game I possibly could. Jake Thompson finished his college career in 2017, so when the Beavers were playing game three in 2018, he was busy playing minor league ball for the Salem Red Sox.
2: Watching the national championship, it was during our game in pro ball. I kept running in the locker room. Game was on, I'd watch it. Our coach was like, hey, you can't really be doing this, but he like, kind of new, like, all right, if you have to go to the bathroom and you stop and watch it's whatever. And I remember there was just like those last few outs, the strikeout and everything. Gosh, I remember I was just so juiced. I was jumping around. Of course, my coach comes in, tells me, get out of there. It made up for everyone that happened to leave in 2017 everything like that. It
1: felt like the job was done. The unfinished business from a year ago is complete. It wasn't just players from the prior season who were watching intently. Ben Wetzler, a 2014 All-American, was just as emotionally invested in OSU's prospects.
5: They're going through that run right as
1: the Marlins released me. So it was kind of the lowest of the low. Didn't know where my career was going. Not only did Wetzler find some solace in watching Oregon State make a run through the postseason, Wetzler also played a role in helping some fellow Beaver baseball alums experience Omaha firsthand.
5: Conforto and Matt Boyd and a couple other guys put a bunch of money into a pot, sent Max Gordon, Scott Schultz, and Jared Casper to Omaha to watch the Beavers, but the one rule was they had to record the entire weekend and send it in a group
1: message, so it was were following along with that. Several Beaver baseball players from 2013, a team that had made it to the College World Series as well, got to experience Oregon State's National Championship right there in Omaha. Wetzler could see it all happen vicariously through the group chat.
5: I had just gotten released, so this is kind of distracting for me and kind of keeping my mind off what's going on and just allowing my body and my mind to breathe and relax. And The beeves end up winning. I'm going crazy with some of my old teammates. The next day, the Dodgers call, and I get a job. So it was like, it was kind of the perfect storm.
1: Ben said he went crazy celebrating, and he wasn't joking. He still has a video of himself after Larnick's home run in Game 2. Going back a few years further, there's another individual who watched all three national championships, a guy who made them all possible because of his tireless work years before keeping the program alive in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. That was the longtime head coach and Pat Casey's predecessor, Jack Riley.
0: To sit and watch in what Pat had done
3: is amazing. It's an amazing feat, and he could easily be the coach of the century.
1: Jack Riley coached against a lot of good programs, many of which never won a national championship. Florida State,
3: 28 regionals, no national titles. And look at the great schools that have no national titles, and uh, three. And so there's a reason why, and basically it's Pat.
1: A lot of that is Pat, yes, but a lot of that is also Jack Riley. It was always fun to watch his teams at work and to know now how competitive
0: he was to keep the program alive. We have an opportunity to celebrate three national championships, much of that thanks to Jack Riley's toughness and competitiveness.
1: By losing the first game of the College World Series and the first game of the final series, Oregon State ended up going 0-2 in games they didn't have to win and 6-0 in games they did have to win. That puts this team in a special category. Since the current College World Series format was implemented in 2003, only two teams have ever lost two games in Omaha and still won the national championship. It was the 0-6 piece. Kyle Novak is right, 2018 and 2006, Oregon State has done it twice. No other team in the country has done it once.
6: So I think every single game as we went by, was that game was the most important one, because if we didn't win it, we didn't get to move on. And I think we had trained those last couple of years to be prepared to be able to fight against that adversity. And you know, I, I just, I think it was meant to be. We had done all of the work, and we just needed to show up and play. It wasn't perfect baseball. I mean, shoot, Luke
1: and Bryce didn't throw very well. And that's one of the weird things about Oregon State winning the national championship. None of the ways you would think OSU would win were actually how they won. The two major awards OSU players won before the College World Series were Pitcher of the Year, Luke Heimlich, and Defensive Player of the Year, Caden Grenier. Yet, those awards seem ironic when you look back at the College World Series. Luke Heimlich started both the games OSU lost in Omaha, and defensively, the Beavers led all teams with 10 errors in Omaha, including Caden Grenier's error on the very first pitch of the College World Series. Not to mention, the 2017 Pac-12 Player of the Year, Nick Madrigal, went 0-13 in the championship series. A lot of the things that got Oregon State to Omaha were not the things that helped them advance in Omaha. It's
3: just
0: unusual
7: the way we ended up winning that. We won it because of our offense. Wasn't necessarily because of defense, and it wasn't necessarily because of our starting pitch. And so I think that correlates with the resilience and just how tough minded our guys were. It didn't matter whether we were down or up.
4: You know, I think it's just the will to win. Yeah, you play great baseball, you play perfect baseball, and you're probably going to win. I think when you don't play perfect baseball, it's how you respond and how you make those plays when it really means the most.
8: Think about this. Nick Madrigal didn't need to get a hit for us to win the college championship. Nick Madrigal needed to be Nick Madrigal. He needed to be in uniform. His presence needed to be there way more than his statistics, and it's proven by the fact he didn't get a hit. He didn't need to get a hit. He was Nick Madrigal. We wouldn't have
3: been there without him. He didn't have a great College World Series, but looking back at it, you're like, oh, who cares? But even if we would have lost all of you, you'd still be like, dude, it's still Nick Madrigal. He's the best college hitter
6: there is. World didn't have a hit in the national championship, and we still won. That shows how good of a team we were.
1: A couple other weird but funny notes about 2018. The Beavers won the national championship, but did not win their own conference championship. One publication, Collegiate Baseball, gave Pat Casey National Coach of the Year, but he did not win Pac-12 Coach of the Year. And when you look at the Pac-12 schedule, of the 10 weekends of Pac-12 baseball, OSU won the first game of the series nine times, but then lost the first game of the College World Series and the first game of the finals. I mean, it's stories to tell
4: and, you know, maybe there's a reason behind it. Maybe it's for the best that we lost that first game. Maybe, maybe we wouldn't have come back the next time if we'd beaten them. You know, maybe it would have been flipped. Who knows?
1: That's why Jake Mulholland and probably most of his teammates would not script it any differently.
4: Thankful for the way everything turned out. Now get to have great memories for the rest of my life that I can share with my teammates and family.
1: If you ask Kevin Abel, maybe the funniest thing about the whole season is comparing the national championship to where they were halfway through the season.
2: A lot of it's just like laughing about when we lost like four out of six games to Utah and Arizona, I think. How the hell did we do that?
1: Part of the answer to that question is Kevin himself. In fact, some of the players who factored in the most in Omaha, including a pair of freshmen and Christian Chamberlain and Kevin Abel, were the guys who had been far from the best players earlier in the season. Kevin was probably
3: the last guy that we needed. You know, know, we needed him and Chamberlain because the rest of the pitchers had a good mind and and were mentally strong enough to compete and have success at that level. And uh, Chamberlain and and Abel were freshmen and and that's a big stage for a freshman, no matter how talented you
1: are.
7: Uh, They both had some significant moments early where they weren't so good, but when money was on the table, they showed up.
1: Kevin Abel only had three wins in the regular season, but set a record with four wins in the College World Series alone. If you look back onto that College World Series, he he broke every single College World Series record in regards to pitching. Abel also set the record for fewest hits allowed in a complete game championship performance, giving up just two base hits, and he became one of only four pitchers in history to throw a complete game shutout in the College World Series championship.
6: You can't deny that he's going to be talked about for a long time, even in his early 60s and 70s, which is awesome.
1: Kevin Abel's high school coach, Robert Lovato, felt that he had to honor his former player in the best way he knew how. That's
6: kind of why, you know, at Madison, we retired his jersey. I only retired a few over my years, and I retired it right after the College World Series. You know what? The guy that wins the College World Series, you know, there's not too many. (laughs) I've coached for a long time. There's not too many guys that have gotten to the College World Series for me, you know what I mean? So it's like to see him win and do it in that fashion, why not?
1: And if you remember a lot earlier in this documentary series, this is the same Kevin Abel who is having a really rough season through the month of April.
2: I remember having a phone call with my my mom. I was mentally just breaking down. I I had never been so lost playing a game of baseball.
1: But by the end of the season, Kevin
2: never let the moment get to him. Never really was like, oh, by the way, this is also for the national championship. Kind of forgot about that until after the last pitch was called. Then I realized we had just done something special.
1: Like we talked about earlier in the mental game episodes, the transformation that Kevin Abel and other players had was remarkable. And the work that Tyler Graham, Alan Jager, and Greg Warburton did to teach the players mental skills methods, well, the Beavers would not have been the same team otherwise.
3: Without him buying in and accepting uh, what Alan had to say to him, I don't know if we win that World Series, you know? I I really don't. And it, it doesn't take one person to win it, but he was obviously a guy that we desperately needed to do what he did
2: to win it and give us a chance, and he did exactly that.
1: There's so many memorable moments along the way of the 2018 College World Series run for Oregon State, but amidst the Trevor Larnik home run, the Caden Grenier single, the Kevin Abel complete game, there's just something special about the Caden Grenier foul ball. That individual play became a sort of meme or running joke around Oregon State's program and beyond.
5: Coach Bailey was in charge of the outfielders that season, and he works on fly ball calm. We would work do fly ball communication almost every practice, fly ball calm every practice. And so after after that game, that's just what all the guys would keep yelling randomly from the tour bus at different moments of fly ball comm, fly ball calm! you know, and everyone would start laughing. Everyone's gonna remember that image of Gates and Carson
7: and Eric, you know, it was it was
5: right there. Anytime you see a ball go up in that zone now, it's basically been immortalized, and you just yell Arkansas, like, and just hope it drops. That's what that's what happens now. The ball's behind first base; you just yell Arkansas
1: and hope it falls. Former player Bill Rao is now a coach, and he not only likes to joke about the foul ball, but also use it as a serious teaching method for his players.
5: It's always those tiny, seemingly insignificant things that you practice that end up being so important. And the players buy in because they see those things also and they realize like he's, he's not joking. Like I, we need to work on our fly ball calm because Arkansas lost an entire national championship not communicating properly on a fly ball and foul territory.
1: As significant and comedic as that moment was for the team that benefited from the foul ball, Arkansas had to deal with that unfortunate moment and the loss of the championship series after game three it was a really emotional locker room you walk in you know you see all these 18 19 21 year
8: old guys crying hugging each other because you know it was a tough way for the season to end i think they all knew that that they had had a really special team obviously they were so close to
1: doing something that the program had never done before and you know it felt like something special had ended that night there in omaha
7: Man, it hurt. And it hurt. And we got video of those guys after that third game and they just, oh, it just, it, it, tore you up to see them so upset. You
4: know, I'm not sure they
9: put up a fight as much as uh, maybe they showed up because of the way they lost game two.
7: In game three, you, you could tell. It just wasn't there. They had it, they knew they had it, they lost
5: it. Arkansas came in, their posture was bad from the beginning.
7: That Arkansas offense just had nothing in game three. And, and honestly, I, I mean, after game two, I think we all knew. It was
1: just, that was it. Plenty of Razorback fans were bitter about 2018, but head coach Dave Van Horn saw the fan support mostly stay pretty high.
0: I bet I've gotten 300 texts from people all over the country. I've gotten emails. I've gotten 30 handwritten letters, and they've been anywhere from California, Omaha, Florida. I've even had a couple people from Oregon tell me that they're Razorback fans
1: now. There's only a couple topics left before we finish this entire series. The next thing is of a slightly more controversial nature. I believe it deserves a little exploration and nuance to acknowledge the issue and give both sides of the story. The whole topic has to do with Game 3 and Kevin Abel.
0: I had a problem at the time with him going nine innings in that game.
1: Dwight James of NBC Sports Northwest has covered Pat Casey's teams for years and has tremendous respect for Pat Casey. So he's not saying this just to be mean, nor has he been the only one to bring up this issue of Kevin Abel at nineteen years old with a complete game right after throwing twenty three pitches the night before.
0: I've just never liked the idea of pushing kids at that age. And you see the next season that he has to have Tommy John surgery. And are they related? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. But I do think that in college, I've heard that story many times.
1: After his remarkable game to finish the 2018 season, Kevin Abel came back as a sophomore and pitched three games in 2019 and then missed the rest of the year. He had Tommy John surgery in 2019 and missed the entire 2020 season. Jane says he doesn't know if Abel's arm issues are related to that championship game. For the record, Kevin Abel has never publicly drawn any correlation, and we'll talk more about Kevin's thoughts on the matter in a moment. But Dwight James isn't wrong to point out a lot of stories like this happen and go poorly.
0: People in professional baseball will tell you that when they get college pitchers, the first thing they do is they don't use them very much. That first year they sign, they might pitch once a week or once every 10 days to let their arms recover from what they believe is overuse in the college game. And I'm not trying to be critical of anybody here, but a lot was said after the game. He didn't want to come out. He wouldn't let us take him out. No, that's not right. No, you're there to kind of supervise him, look after him, and make sure that he's safe. And in that case, I know the temptation... He's pitching so well, the temptation is to let him go. And he says he feels fine. I think sometimes these injuries, you do feel fine until you don't.
1: Dwight Janes brings up some fair points, and although we'll hear in just a second from people at Oregon State defending the decision, I'm not trying to present this as a tabloid-style drama just for controversy. Rather, Dwight expresses some concerns that are fair to acknowledge, and Oregon State's camp should have the opportunity to explain why Kevin Abel was,
8: in their mind, rightfully allowed to finish the game. We never had the problem with him in any, any way, shape, or form. A matter of fact, One thing that nobody even thinks about is the fact that in the Super Regional, he didn't pitch. So he went almost 15 days. I think he did go 15 days without throwing a pitch between his regional and there. So he was well-rested.
1: Pat Casey feels if you took a broader look at how many pitches Kevin Abel had been throwing over time, you get a much different story than just focusing on the final series. Kevin feels the same way. I knew how my
2: body felt, and I knew I was feeling good, and people just freak out and don't understand what goes on behind the scenes.
1: What do you say about, you know, I know my own body. I know what I can do. So is any criticism of overtaxing your body completely unwarranted, you feel? Yeah. I mean, I hadn't pitched a
2: whole lot up until the last part of the season. I think I doubled the amount of innings I threw starting the month of May and on. So my body was fresh.
1: One thing that's worth pointing out is there's more than one way players injure their ulnar collateral ligament and need Tommy John surgery. One way is an acute injury, like when someone falls on their arm awkwardly or a pitcher throws way too many pitches in a short period of time. Usually, this type of injury is accompanied by an audible pop in the arm and often intense pain. But the more common injuries are chronic, a steady overuse that frays the UCL over the course of months or years. It's this type of injury minor league teams are concerned about when they take it easy with their new pitchers. As for Kevin Abel's situation, it doesn't seem like he had an acute UCL injury in 2018. He finished that game just fine and came back in 2019 to pitch a few games and then had the surgery. Chronic UCL injuries are tougher to pinpoint one moment that went wrong because it was excessive use over time. But Kevin Abel didn't really pitch that much in 2018.
6: I remember people, you know, making a big deal about it, but that's why we train. That's why we work out so hard is we condition our bodies to to get strong, to be able to handle that kind of workload. And that's what an athlete is. And, And you know what? Getting hurt is part of the game.
8: No matter who you are, whether you're a closer and threw 18 innings on the year and you had TJ or your guy that threw 120 innings and you didn't, I don't think there's any controlling that. I think if somebody comes in your office and says, gee, I got a sore arm and you pitch him, then you've got to question what you're doing.
1: Pat Casey takes the approach of, you can't really control injuries, so don't be reckless, but also don't pretend everything is preventable. Which may lead to the question, what was Oregon State's training like behind the scenes? Even if you can't prevent all injuries, was the work the pitchers went through as safe as it could be? The way Yeski coaches and our philosophy there, like the way we take care of
2: our arms, there's no doubt in my mind that anyone in that situation could throw easily the next day and no harm be done.
1: Jake Thompson spent four years with Pat Casey and Nate Yeske while pitching for OSU, finishing in 2017. I personally and a lot of people took pride in the fact that we could throw multiple innings, a lot of pitches, and our arm feels good the next day. Two years after his OSU career, Jake Thompson himself had Tommy John surgery, so he knows how difficult that injury is and what can lead up to it. And when he watched Kevin Abel pitching in Game 3, he could have felt uneasy if he thought Abel was in danger but Thompson did not have a problem with the decision to leave Abel in. Yeah, not at all. 100% the right decision. Holding him back,
2: I think that would have made everyone more mad, for sure, because he's a competitor, he
1: wants to be out there. This brings up the balance of when coaches should take charge and when it's appropriate to allow a player to be honest about how they're feeling and give them some autonomy to make their own decisions.
6: I think he was at a stage where there was no doubt that he was thrown. And I think if you asked Kevin Abel directly, he would tell you the same thing, that if Case
1: told me I was coming out, I'm staying in the game. It's no different than Blake Snell. I talked with Kyle Novak two days after the infamous Game 6 of the 2020 World Series, when Tampa Bay pitcher Blake Snell had given up just two hits, but was surprisingly pulled from the game in the sixth inning.
6: If the manager of the Rays would have walked out and talked to Blake Snell and said, hey, I'm taking you out. Blake Snell would have looked his manager in the face and said, I'm staying in the game. And that's the same thing Kevin Abel would would have done is, you know, of course it's Pat's decision at the end of the day, but the player has an influence and it's the player's decision. And if he's feeling it, we're going to roll with it.
1: Pat Casey often leaned this way. He could be strong-willed and make a decision a player didn't like, but oftentimes if a player was pushing hard for a certain choice, he'd let the player have their way, at least for a little bit.
6: As a coach... If I got a guy looking me in the face and says, Coach, no way, what am I thinking? Because when somebody's talking to you and they're telling you something, it's their mindset. And that wins. If the mindset is bold and courageous, well, let's see what you got. What are you made of?
1: Of course, the rebuttal is that at a certain point, you've got to step in and prevent a player from hurting themselves. Even if they don't see the danger, you've got to be the bearer of bad news and make the tough decision. Even Pat spoke to this right before Game 3.
8: Now we're never going to put someone in a position that it's detrimental to him, that's for sure.
1: The good news is, even though Tommy John's surgery is a rough process, more and more baseball players have had the surgery and recovered from it just fine. And for Kevin Abel, all signs point to him still having plenty of baseball in his future.
8: He knows that he could have went to Kochieski at any time if he felt like he was being stretched or anything like that. But, you know, like I said, it's that trust factor. We trusted that what he was telling us was true. So... When he gets his first out in the big leagues, we'll all be clapping for him.
1: A quick break before we finish episode 18. Just two last topics to get to before we complete the entire series, so stay tuned for that. But I just want to say the entire reason I'm producing this documentary is twofold, actually. Partly to get my own name out there and have more Oregon State fans familiarize themselves with me and Hopefully get to do more projects, more broadcasting related to Oregon State sports down the road, but also to benefit local charities and international charities for that matter. So if you donate to Food for the Hungry, Kingdom Home, Old Mill Center, or Children's Garden, That would make me feel like this project did some good work and helped some people out. So if you've got the wherewithal, there's links in the show notes to find each of those nonprofits, see how to donate there. And even if you don't, I'm just glad that you listened. Thanks for joining me here on Dynasty in the Woods. Again, I'm Josh Warden. Let's get back to the final moments of episode 18. Well, when we had won, it did not feel real
4: at all. We'd be sitting in the locker room in the fall, and we'd be like, dude, we won a national championship a couple months ago.
10: Winning College World Series is something that like
1: not a lot of people could, can say they did. Few people ever win an NCAA title, so players on the Oregon State team in 2018 are some of the only people who can answer the question, what's it like to win a national championship? Although to a certain degree, anyone can take a pretty good guess, it looks like a lot of fun. We can watch on TV and see the celebration. It's not all that hard to comprehend. Although of course, only some people experience that firsthand. But still, the question I was more interested in was what about once the trophy ceremony and the parades were all over? In the years since then, what has winning a national championship taught you? How fulfilling has it been? What are the things only you could know having experienced winning a national championship and returning to life afterwards?
7: Something I really bought into in my life and seen the results of is the process everyone is going to have a different process my process wasn't the same as adley's wasn't the same as trevor's it wasn't the same as kyle's you know there might be bits and pieces of it that are the same and you might be able to learn one thing from the other but everyone's process everyone's life is different
1: michael gretler spent four years at osu learning this process including the mental game process we've talked about
7: i think you have to enjoy that process and let the process be the reward because when i think about my time at oregon state obviously everyone asked about the national championship but honestly that's not i mean it's a big point but that's not the first thing that i think of when i think of my experience it was all of the practices all of the ups and downs from the year before the losing to lsu two games those things mean more in the long run that are a part of the process than the result of winning the national championship.
10: I will remember and enjoy all of the moments and months prior to the College World Series, just as much as winning the College World Series itself. The biggest
4: portion of what we learned all kind of as beavers was how we learned to compete every day, just not like in those big moments. And I think just learning about how to be a champion each day, each day you wake up, you have an opportunity to make the most of it.
1: That theme was prevalent among many players like Gretler, Jack Anderson, Tyler Malone, Jake Mulholland and others. But another commonality was the feeling they had towards everyone else on the team. The best thing is those are memories that we'll have forever. It's a ring
4: that no one can ever take away from us. I think it really solidified that team being a family.
10: Just doing it with those guys and, and having that relationship day in and day out you're grinding with where it's like months and months and months prior, you know, this was the objective you were trying to accomplish and just to be able to accomplish that goal with those guys, it was just like kind of like that icing on the cake type of thing. I think about that championship team. I think, I think about all those guys. I think about how special working as hard
4: as you can to achieve something with 35 other guys that are all bought in. There wasn't a bad apple in the bunch we etched our names into the history books of college baseball now we're looking forward to the 10-year reunion and we're gonna all hang out and see each other again
8: they have that inner feel for the rest of their lives they're connected with that and that is so embedded and so deep that if trevor larney called adley rutchman who needed zach taylor to go get joe casey to call kyle noback to go get bryce femmel to make sure you picked up nick madrigal all those things would happen with passion because of what they did
4: It all just comes back to how close we were and how we were always doing stuff together. We come back from a trip, we get back at three in the morning and we all sit around the locker room for an hour and just hang out, just talk about stuff. We were hanging out after practice. People wouldn't leave until an hour after games ended. We were where we wanted to be when we were at the field with each other. I think that's something that's just very rare,
9: kind of highlights how special that, that team was. My happiness came from, I mean, again, broken record. I got to spend those time with the guys, you know, like those were my best friends, my brothers. And the fact that not only do we get to play a college baseball season together, we got to go to Omaha and then win it. Like those are moments you don't even get to spend with like your best friends like back home or anything. Those only something that you're gonna be able to share with your teammates.
1: Stephen Kwan experienced reaching the pinnacle of success with his best friends. But as you're about to hear, winning a national championship does not mean everything is smooth from then on, especially since he was coming off the hamstring injury in Omaha and transitioning away from college all at the same time.
9: World Series, getting drafted, rehab, like there was just a lot going on. And I remember kind of being down one day and I'm like, I wonder why college was so fun, you know? Like what made college so good? Now like stuff is so hard.
1: The epiphany Quan had was that he needed to go back to what had benefited him so much in college.
9: I got more professional off the field is what I like to say, you know. On the field, I do all my routines, hitting, defense, get my arm care. But off the field, I had to eat better. I had to I had to meditate. I had to go get my eight hours of sleep, stay hydrated. I think I've been doing a really good job of that. I think that's something I still struggle with every day. Being more aware of my surroundings and just being in a good headspace, but sticking with my routines and and consistency, I think that's the biggest thing.
1: For pitcher Dylan Pierce, what impacted him most was now being able to impact others. I'm just glad that I
3: can be the small town kid that started super, super small always the, the doubted one from humble starts and work all the way up to something like that and I hope that I'm able to inspire some people going hey you know he started at every level people didn't think he'd make it anywhere he had to walk on he didn't get the scholarships and now look where he's at and I just hope to be kind of just inspiration to people and just try and, and have people look up to me as best I can and,
1: and be a good example and how I act and what I do and for Kyle Novak, the surprising thing was just how much satisfaction a championship provides.
6: When we won the national championship, I thought, you know, success brought all this happiness. To find out it doesn't really work like that in life. In reality, if we want to have success, we first have to be happy inside. We first have to grow. We first have to be so prepared to be able to go in and inspire people that brings to success
4: really like Novak and how he looks at that and knows that you can see it with a bunch of people that have had success it doesn't really prove who you are as a person it's what happens to you in one moment and there's going to be life after that so I think as a team I hope we're all doing well with moving forward in our lives and using the championship as a vehicle to remember how to work hard and what comes from it.
10: I would definitely have to agree with Kyle. It's something that fulfills you in the moment, but it's like, you know, you're always, you know, striving for something, you know, time keeps going and stuff. So you have to find those things in yourself to like keep you going and everything and just kind of like being present, and you know, find that internal thing that, you know, keeps you going each day. But yeah, I mean, that's such a cool takeaway,
1: right? Kyle Novak, Jack Anderson, Tyler Malone, all found out a national championship is not enough satisfaction in life, at least not by itself at least not for them. Just a national title without any greater motivation was too simple. Now, winning that championship as a key part of a larger and deeper purpose, that's something different. But just seeking the championship and using that as the end all be all, even the greatest trophy in the game could still be woefully disappointing. And this is at
8: least part of what Pat Casey has been preaching all along. When you're talking about coaching, winning a national championship, you can't accomplish any more on the field. If you do that and you don't accomplish something with the guys later in their life off the field, then it's not very rewarding.
1: The lasting impression Kevin Abel had from winning the championship was the impact it had on people far beyond the OSU baseball program. I take
2: more pride and appreciation in hearing other people's stories and how it's affected them. Obviously it changes all of our lives. We're etched in history, especially in the state of Oregon but hearing from the community and how it helped them get through tough times. I've had people come up to me and tell me like that us winning the national championship really helped them get through a tough time because a family member had died and you know they were going through a tough time, but it gave them something to look forward to and to cheer for and to be happy and proud of.
6: This is something that changed our lives. Not only our lives, but A lot of people's lives, the community, the state of Oregon. I mean, there's little kids that are inspired by what we did that are going to go play college baseball because they watched us
1: do it. Speaking of kids, there was one youngster in particular who was both inspired by OSU and an inspiration to OSU. And he was as much a part of the team, even if he wasn't on the field. And absolutely, he
3: deserves something like that. No doubt. If anything, he deserved it more than we did
1: such an inspiration himself and what he's been through and what his family's been through. Zach Taylor and Michael Gretler are referring to 12 year old Drew Bodigheimer. Drew was from Arizona, but his dad is an OSU grad and Drew became a huge Beaver baseball fan. He even came to Omaha in 2017 and 2018. He was welcome to open arms in our team, and you
3: talk about a definition of a kid that's really a true warrior. No child, first off, should have to go through something like that, especially, you know, it's just so unfair in the sense that he hasn't really even been able to experience
1: life. Drew had a heart transplant and a stroke at age two. Even though he can't play competitive sports the way other kids his age can, he loves baseball more than most people, and he's so kind-hearted that when he had a chance to make a dream come true through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, his wish wasn't just something for himself, he asked for a new scoreboard at Miracle League Field home of the Miracle League in Arizona, where people with disabilities can play baseball together. And on top of that, another dream came true that even the Make-A-Wish Foundation could not have controlled. When Drew was nine years old and was in Omaha for the 2018 College World Series, Oregon State, as you know, won the national championship.
3: Seeing that kid smile, and knowing that winning that national championship gave him, even if it was like, you know, for a little bit, just those moments of happiness, to kind of forget about his situation forget about things he's gone through, that means the world. I feel like that's pure, you know, just
1: happiness. And that's something that I think about a ton. And
3: you know, I'm so happy he was able to be on the field with
1: us. In the celebration after game three, ESPN cameras captured Trevor Larnick kneeling down in front of Drew and saying, you're part of this team too to see
7: him not only after we won, but you know, they were there the year before. They were there in Arizona when we started our season in 2017. And and then in 2018, they were there from the beginning to the end. And that's how special of a group of people around the program. And you know, it takes a village to do great things. And Drew and his family are definitely a part of all that.
1: The 2018 Beaver baseball players have plenty of stories, meaningful relationships, and personal takeaways from 2018 and beyond, but the lessons learned are even more cemented for a guy like Bill Rao, who won a championship in 2006, so he's already experienced about 15 years of post-championship life.
5: As a player, when it happens, you think, okay, I've accomplished that moment, right? And I have the trophy, I have the ring. But what you don't realize is how much that brings that team together for the rest of your life. And, you know, you stay together with your buddies from your college team, but with a national championship team like that,
1: I just feel like it becomes a very special bond and it changes your life. Bill Rao won his title in 06, but go back a couple years further for Pat Bailey, who is an assistant on the 2018 championship team, but won his first national title in 2004 as the head coach of George Fox University.
7: If you're just coaching to win national championships, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If you're not doing it to build men of character, you're missing the point of why you should be coaching. Uh, the national championship for me is just a byproduct of what we did. and Honestly, the journey part of it and just seeing those guys develop, as a team and how much they really cared uh, for each other, and how much they loved one another. That part of it was, to me, was even bigger than the national championship itself.
1: Since Pat Bailey, Pat Casey, and the rest of the program care about what happens in the players' lives after college more than just winning a national championship, let's wrap up the final episode with a Where Are They Now segment, going over where each player has gone in life since then. For a more in-depth conversation to see more fully what they're doing and the life lessons they've learned, I've posted many of the full conversations already on the Beaver Tales podcast with these baseball players and athletes from other Oregon State programs. All right, here's a quick snapshot of the 2018 Beaver baseball team and where they're at now. Dylan Pierce, the pitcher who went from community college walk-on to Oregon State to pitching in the College World Series, was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals in the 31st round and completed his first year of minor league baseball in Johnson City, Tennessee. Stephen Kwan was selected by Cleveland in the fifth round of the 2018 MLB draft, missed most of that first season dealing with the hamstring injury, but is healthy now and ready for his third year of pro ball. Kyle Novak played his last competitive baseball game in the 2018 College World Series. Though his own playing career concluded, he stayed in the game of baseball, being hired as the head coach of the Bend Elks, a collegiate summer league team. The 2020 season was canceled, but Kyle also does plenty of coaching at Base by Pros, based in Linwood, Washington, and started by Mitch Canham. Kyle hopes to one day become a college baseball coach, and his coaching philosophy will always be impacted greatly by what he learned at Oregon State.
6: You know, my mission is I'm going to inspire when I'm at the Bend Elks, I want to inspire every single kid that walks into that locker room to help them, to educate them, to connect with them, to love them, and build a relationship with them, because that's what it's truly about.
1: The star shortstop on the 2018 team, Caden Grenier, was chosen by the Baltimore Orioles in the first round of the 2018 MLB draft. It was a particularly quick transition away from college baseball for Caden and some of his teammates who finished the college season June 28th and immediately became professional baseball players with the minor league season in full swing.
3: So we won the College World Series that night. We fly out the next morning. We have all that day of parades planned. Uh, The following day, I had to pack my whole house up because the day after that, so two days after the World Series, I was going straight from Portland out to Baltimore. I was there for two days and then drove straight to Salisbury, Maryland. Basically, just met the team there and started that night. I didn't play that night, but I was there with the team that night. It was it was like five five and a half days after the third game that I was already back on a field and in you know, a dugout with them. It definitely didn't hit me until at least a few days later that we actually had won the College World Series. We were the national champions and. I think I was on a field and I was playing, and I was like, well, this is kind of boring. Like, you know, I just came from the College World Series in Omaha and we were playing a normal game, and it hit me a couple of days later. It was like, oh, wow, like, that was super cool. I can't believe it.
1: Going into the 2021 season, Caden remains in the Orioles farm system and is one of the top prospects in their organization. Kevin Abel was named Freshman All-American and the Freshman of the Year by multiple media outlets after his dominant finish to the 2018 season. As a sophomore, he pitched in three games, was shut down for the remainder of the year, had Tommy John surgery, did not pitch in 2020. Kevin decided to stay at Oregon State for a fourth year and is pitching in 2021. His high school coach Robert Lovato knows that even though Kevin's career has been up and down ever since the College World Series, the future is still bright.
6: Potentially next year, if the season all goes well, I mean, he could be a, a first-rounder. He gets on the mound again, he could definitely be a first-rounder.
1: Several other players on the 2018 team joined Kevin Abel by remaining on the OSU roster into the 2021 season, including but not limited to Andy Armstrong, Jake Mulholland, Preston Jones, and Joe Casey. Starting pitcher Luke Heimlich was not drafted but did find an opportunity in the Mexican League where he's gone 11-9 and nine in his professional career so far. Fellow starting pitcher Bryce Femmel was drafted in the 21st round in 2019 by San Francisco and already returned to the Beaver State in his minor league career. At the time, the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes were a San Francisco affiliate. Bryce announced in June of 2020 that he would need to undergo Tommy John surgery, but hopes to recover as soon as possible and continue playing with the San Francisco Giants organization. Michael Gretler was drafted in the 10th round by the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2018, but after two seasons in the minor leagues, Michael officially retired from pro baseball. Since Gretler had stayed at OSU for a fourth year in 2018, he had already completed his degree. Gretler has transitioned just fine out of professional baseball. He now works in pharmaceutical sales and lives in West Seattle. He also got engaged last year. Michael and his fiance, Emily, planned to get married in the fall of 2021. Tyler Malone was drafted in the 29th round by the San Diego Padres in 2019 and spent his first year in pro ball switching positions to catcher. Apparently, Adley Rutschman had a good enough grasp at OSU it wasn't really a consideration for Tyler to go behind the dish, but he's learning the ropes as he continues in the Padres organization. Just like Tyler Malone, Zack Taylor also played one more year at OSU after the national championship. Zack went undrafted in 2019, but he wasn't ready to give up on baseball yet, and baseball didn't give up on him either. He found a collegiate summer league team in Okotoks, Canada, so he traveled up north to play for the summer while still hoping for a professional contract. Four days after going to Canada, he got a call from an independent league club in Illinois needing a new catcher. So Zach played 60 games for the Gateway Grizzlies in his first professional season. He expects to keep playing independent ball, having signed for the 2021 season with the Lincoln Salt Dogs. So Zach will be heading back to Nebraska and playing an hour southwest of Omaha. Jack Anderson, who went from not making the team in 2014 to a first-team all-conference player, won a national championship in his final game at OSU and promptly retired from baseball. He's now progressing towards a doctorate in physical therapy at Regis University in Denver and will take the board exam in 2021. Jack set up a work study to return to a clinic in Corvallis in 2021, so for part of his education, he's working with Beaver baseball players. Christian Chamberlain played at OSU through the 2020 season, was selected in the fourth round of that draft by the Kansas City Royals. Brandon Isert went from pitching at Lynn Benton Community College to throwing some critical innings for OSU in the College World Series. He finished his college career in 2019, was drafted in the 18th round by the Toronto Blue Jays, and remains in their organization. Nick Madrigal was selected fourth overall by the Chicago White Sox in 2018, and in July of 2020, a mere two years after his final college game, Madrigal was called up to the big leagues. In the 2020 season, Madrigal batted an impressive 340, including his first postseason experience with Chicago. Soon after Nick Madrigal made it to the show, another 2018 player was activated on a big league roster, Drew Rasmussen, who did not appear in a game for OSU in the 2018 season due to Tommy John surgery, but was drafted in the sixth round that year by the Milwaukee Brewers. Two years later, Drew made his major league debut in August of 2020, throwing two scoreless innings in his first appearance. Drew spent the final five weeks of the 2020 regular season at the big league level. Adley Rutschman played one more year in a Beaver uniform. He won the Golden Spikes Award as the top player in college baseball, and was drafted with the first overall pick by the Baltimore Orioles. That puts him in the same organization as Caden Grenier, and although the two beeves have yet to overlap on the same team within the Orioles' farm system, it's likely at some point they'll reconvene on the same team and wear an orange and black uniform on a field together for the first time since Game 3 against Arkansas. Trevor Larnick finished his OSU career after the 2018 season, having been drafted in the first round by the Minnesota Twins and already made it to the AA level by the 2019 season. Both Adley Rutschman and Trevor Larnick were assigned to their respective teams' alternate training sites in 2020 in an unconventional year of minor league baseball and hope to build on their success in 2021 and for Pat Casey the head coach when Oregon State won the national championship in 2018 that was Pat's third national championship at OSU and it was win number 900 all three national championships for Beaver baseball were won in the Pat Casey era
6: he loved us you know i think to understand at the point that he was at in his career you know he he retired after winning that national championship i think he was at the end of it and to know that he truly changed somebody's life and not just my life, but everybody's life. Shows how incredible he is.
1: Kyle Novak was a senior in 2018, so he shares this in common with Pat Casey. The Game 3 win over Arkansas was their last game ever at Oregon State.
6: And how incredible of not just a coach he was as a person, man, he was bold. He had bold attitudes, he had a bold mindset, and it was contagious. That's what a leader is, it starts at the very top and it trickled down all the way down the chain of command.
1: Casey's retirement didn't even seem real at first, Pat remained at OSU as a senior associate athletic director and special assistant to athletic director Scott Barnes, and while assistant coach Pat Bailey was elevated to interim head coach for the following season, there was a stipulation in Pat Casey's revised contract that allowed him to return as the head coach within one year. So the whole 2019 season, it wasn't clear if Pat Casey really was done, But after the 2019 season, Pat Casey made it final, no dramatic return, no coming out of retirement. Instead, one of his former players and two-time national champion was hired to lead the baseball program, Mitch Canham. As for Pat Casey's retirement, Pat himself says the person who took it the hardest wasn't one of his players, but his own son, John Casey, who after all is OSU's biggest fan, but even without his dad as head coach. John is still just as connected to beaver baseball today, especially with his brother Joe still on the team. John could not watch much beaver baseball at Goth Stadium in 2020 due to the season being cancelled after just 14 games, but luckily for John, there's still plenty of great games in beaver baseball history to go back to while the quarantine was still in place, as his brother Joe can attest. You should see him right now since there's nothing else to do. He's watching the 06, 07, 13, 14. Literally every team game, like, I'll walk down there and he's watching like the Kansas State Super Regionals from 2013. <laughs> John's go-to games, however, are the second and third games of the Arkansas series. And John now has an accolade few others can boast about. John's the only guy,
4: John and my dad are the only guy who have three national championships. I like that's the joke I like to make. <laughs> they have all
1: three and no one else does. He's been around through all of them. He loves it. As for Pat Casey, the most rewarding thing to him today didn't dissipate once the confetti was cleared in 2018.
8: Well, I think that it becomes more rewarding every chance I get to see a guy that's out there doing something, whether it's you see Nick Madrill getting hit in the big leagues or you see Michael Gretler telling me he's getting married or whether you see Noby becoming a head coach. There's nothing about those things to me that aren't tied directly to what we talked about before and that's being a winner. And you don't have to win a national championship to be a winner. The one thing winning a national championship does for the guys that are on that team is it creates a bond that'll never be broke forever.
1: Well, that's all for Dynasty in the Woods. If you made it all the way through every episode, I am sincerely grateful that you joined me on this meaningful journey. My name is Josh Warden. I hope to continue broadcasting and covering Oregon State sports for a long time. If you have any feedback for me or just want to get in touch, my email is in the show notes. I'd like to also thank all the individuals who agreed to an interview for this project. This would have been a meager endeavor without them. Also, a big thank you to Tom Bowman and everyone at Learfield IMG College for their help with the radio broadcast highlights and to Mike Parker for his tireless work representing Oregon State University. Also, thank you to Nick Alvey and Austin Green for their idea to do this project. Thank you to Chris Peterson, Scott Spiegelberg, Travis Larson, a lot of other people who have helped in various ways. Don't forget to check out the nonprofits I've been talking about on this podcast and help them out if you can. That would mean a lot as well. All right, I'm Josh Warden. This has been Dynasty in the Woods.